Hello, all my beautiful people. It is time once again for another exciting episode of If You Give a Data Podcast. So this week I have with me Glenn Ralph. Um, he was a announcer out of New Jersey who uh, had some pretty amazing stories to tell. And as you all know, I love people who have good stories. <laughs> so yeah, we had a pretty good conversation. I, in fact, when I was talking to him, I you know I try to keep my episodes to, or I've been trying. I, unsuccessfully I've been trying to keep them to about an hour long um, and towards the end of the episode I started realizing oh we're already at that point and I didn't even realize that we had been talking for that long so you know the episode's good whenever I lose track of time I'm very excited about you guys to be able to hear this one I hope that you're as excited as I am and if you are then let's get the show on the road if you give a dad a podcast Hey, Dad. Seriously? Wow. What? Alright, before I get started, I just want to talk about R&L Designs for all of your custom hat, cup, shirt needs, even key fobs. If you need any of this stuff customized, go to R&L Designs. They have everything that you could ever want or need. They have some of the best prices that I've seen. They have some of the best stuff that I've seen. Um, just go over to their Facebook page, and that's R&L Designs. I'll put a link to them in my show notes. Also, if you would like to get a hold of them, you can reach them at randldesigns19 at gmail.com. That, once again, that's randldesigns19 at gmail.com. For all of your custom needs, hit them up today. Give them a like, give them a follow. All right, everybody. Today I have with me uh, Glenn Ralph. He was a ring announcer out of uh, New Jersey. He did his announcing in the 90s. And uh, yeah, we got him on here today to kind of tell some of his stories. Glenn, how are you doing today, bud? Doing great. How are you doing, Jared? Doing pretty good. Had a kind of a hectic evening. Had to go to a opening for uh, school my daughter's going into middle school next year so had to do that had to go get my son from another town because he goes to another school so uh yeah it's been kind of crazy trying to get back here to do this that sounds like every day could be crazy you know your son goes to school in a different town do you have does he get bused normally or do you have to pick him up Uh, i actually have to take him uh um, drive out there pick him up come all the way back home pick up my wife and daughter, and then go to her school. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's a little bit hectic. Just a little bit, but you know, it's it's a normal yeah. week for me. So, how was it that you actually got into the uh, ring ring announcing? Okay, you have heard, I'm sure, of Iron Mike Sharp. Okay, yes. Back in the day. Uh huh. Yeah, he was uh, he was pretty big back in the '80s, and I grew up watching him on TV. And I was a die-hard, I mean, die-hard wrestling fan growing up. Uh, I started watching in 1981, 80 or 81, I was around 10. And I just immediately, I stumbled across it just flipping channels. It was before cable. Yeah, channels 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, and 11, that was basically it. And I was just clicking through in the kitchen looking for something to watch, and there was WWF Wrestling. Channel Nine, uh-huh. and I started watching it, and within five minutes, I was I was hooked. I would watch it every week, and I was like a really diehard fan. Always wanted to be a pro wrestler when I grew up, which I think every fan did at some point. They yes. had that dream, but 
Um, anyway, I had a couple of uh, friends in high school that were diehard fans also. Long story short, right out of high school, uh, me and my friend Adam went to a local high school show. And um, I actually, believe it or not, I forget who else was on it besides Iron Mike Sharp, but this was uh, 1990. It was like March of 1990. Uh-huh. And after the show, everybody, all the fans were filing out. We were hanging out by the locker room door. Just in case the wrestler came out, we could get an autograph or something. And there was a security guard near the door, but he not right. We were right next to the door. He wasn't that close to it, but he was close enough to keep an eye on it. And he was talking to a girl, and thank God he was because that really distracted him. So I just had a whimsical yeah. Thank God for her. Yeah. I just had a whimsical idea. I said to my friend, I said. Adam, you know what? Why don't we try to sneak in this locker room? When the security guard isn't looking, I'm going to open the door just enough for you, for you to go in, and I'm going to run in right behind you. So that's exactly what I did. I, I kept, you know, corner of my eye, eyeballing the uh, security guard, and he was enthralled with this girl. So uh, when he, he was focused on her, because every once in a while I did notice he would take a quick look at us, because there's nobody else around. There was that locker room door and me and my friend. But anyway, um, when he wasn't looking, I opened the door, and I said, go. My friend went in, I bolted in behind him, and I said, just walk fast. Keep making rights and lefts through the locker room, uh, locker rows and everything. Uh-huh. And we stumbled across Iron Mike Sharp. Oh. And we, we stopped and just said, you know, hey. And he's like, you know, hey, how, how you guys doing? And like three, four seconds after that, that security guard, I guess the, either he noticed or the girl said, hey, those guys just went in there. Um, he was running around, you know, doing the rights and lefts too, but he, he found us and he, he like stopped short when he found us. He was like kind of running. Uh-huh. But Iron Mike Sharp said, no, no, it's okay, it's okay, you know, it's fine. So the security guard turned around and left and we started talking to him. And, you know, we were saying things like, uh, you know, we grew up watching you every Saturday morning on TV, you know, we're big fans. And turns out in the conversation that he was opening a wrestling school in Brick, New Jersey, at the end of May. And like I said, this was maybe early March, something like that. And my friend Adam had asked him if he is going to train referees also. And he said, yeah, sure. So he took our numbers and he said that he would give us a call closer to the time that the school was going to be opening up. And we said, okay. So we gave him our phone numbers and we're thinking, he's not going to call. He's big time and this and he's not going to call. Well, he called and he said, come on down. I'm opening on blah, blah, blah day. So we, we went down there and my friend Adam signed up to be a referee. I didn't sign up for anything. I just went down there, you know, check out the school and, you know, talk to Iron Mike Sharp again. Anyway, me and Iron Mike became friendly and he didn't care that I wasn't signing up to be a referee or a wrestler or giving him any money. He was just a really nice guy. and We became friendly. So I would go down there. It was only open Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And I would go down there with my friend Adam while he was training to be a referee, and I would watch the students being trained to wrestle and everything. And he just, you know, didn't mind me being there. And like I said, I would, you know, just hang out and talk to him. So after the school was open for a few months, he decided to start holding exhibition matches um, at his school for the students. And we would sell t- he would sell tickets, you know, to the locals, and there would be no more than 50 people there every two weeks at the shows, but it wasn't that big of a place, so it looked like it was people hanging from the rafters. Um, so anyway, he, he asked me if I would like to be the ring announcer for the shows at his school. I was like, heck yeah! I'm like, sure! Like, I couldn't believe if somebody I grew up watching on TV every Saturday morning um, friends with him now was asking me to be his ring announcer. I'm like, sure, absolutely. So I started doing that every two weeks, and I was loving it. And then uh, this was uh, June of 1990. Well, it's actually May 1990 because my first pro ring announcing show was June 1st of 1990. Um, but anyway, he came to me a few weeks before and said that he was booked on a show at the Dunn Sports Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And the promoter, we was talking to him, and said that, that the ring announcer 
back down, couldn't make it for whatever reason, would I like to do a, a pro show? And again, I was blown away. I'm like, absolutely. But then back in 1990, it was a, it was a closed business still, and you had to know somebody to get into it. Uh, you had, whether you were a wrestler, uh, referee, ring announcer, timekeeper, you had to be licensed by the state. And you couldn't just go to the state and say, hey, I want to be this and get a license for it. You had to, somebody had to vouch for you that was already in the business because okay. it was still closed. Yeah. So anyway, Iron Mike Sharp got me licensed as a ring announcer through the state of New Jersey. I still have all my licenses. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> and um, he, uh, uh, so he got me licensed and I did my, my first pro show. And he was on it, of course. And Nikolai Volkov was on it. Ivan Koloff was on it. Bam Bam Bigelow was on it. And um, it was it was amazing. I'm in the ring announcing Nikolai Volkov to the ring, and he grabs the microphone from me and starts singing the Russian national anthem, oh, just so like cool. he did to Howard Finkel <laughs> and every, uh, everyone else on TV. And I'm like, it was surreal. Yeah. I really had to pinch myself. And then Ivan Kolov, who I loved growing up, and he was actually uh, he wrestled on the very first live card that my father took me to when I was 11 mm-hmm. at a local high school. And he walked up to me during intermission and just said, you're doing a very good job. He didn't know it was my first um, show. He didn't know anything about me. We didn't talk before that. He's such a nice guy. That just blew me away. So anyway, that's how I broke into the business as a ring announcer. I traveled from the top of the state of New Jersey to the bottom almost every weekend. Oh, wow. So uh, you had a pretty wide area there probably that you... Uh, travel back and forth to did you make it home every night or would would you have to like stay overnight or how did that work no i would always make it home uh but we would all go out there i'd make it home maybe two three in the morning because after the shows everybody would go go out right to a local bar yeah i said everybody would go out (laughs) right yeah we would all you know all of us though it was great because not only did i get to announce these legends to the ring but I got to go out with them to bars and restaurants after the shows and just hang out just like uh, we didn't even talk about wrestling. We were just talking about, you know, their lives. Miley was like really hanging out. And then they all got to know me as time went on. And of course, you know, I, I was their ring announcer. So I was part of the show. You know, I wasn't right. just, a, you know, Mark and everything. So they treated me with, with respect. And it was such an amazing time getting to hang out with uh, so many legends I grew up. They're like, they were like TV stars yeah. back back in the day to us fans. And it was like hanging out with TV stars that I watched on TV as a kid. So how was it like for you at first? Because I, I can imagine me being very almost, I don't want to say intimidated, but that starstruck. Um, how long was it for you before you were able to get past being starstruck by all of these major stars and uh, that you were dealing with pretty much on a on a weekly or a daily basis. Well, I'll tell you what, I really was not starstruck at all, only because at that point I have known, in my eyes, a big celebrity. I Mike Sharp and been friends with him for quite a period of time. Before okay. Then. So it wasn't really, but it was still, there was still that like, uh, like nervous excitement and everything, but not totally starstruck. And I always made sure that I was in check because I didn't want to act like a Mark, even though I was a huge <laughs> fan. So I, was, I, I would never walk up, oh my God, I remember your match in, you know, 1985 against, you know, this and that. Oh God, you know, I, I didn't do, I didn't pull any of that crap because then they would lose respect for me. This guy's a Mark and they, you know, right. wouldn't have treated me as well as they did. So I tried to be really professional, but yeah, like with Ivan Koloff, but there, there were there were a couple where I was really kind of starstruck, but not not in like a a big way because you know just like I said, being friends with Aaron Mike Sharp, seeing him two three times a week and hanging out, so I kind of got over that whole thing by the time I actually got into doing the pro shows. Right, well that's cool. Yeah, I'd be the one who would have to on the inside. I'd be like, come on, you got to hold it together here. <laughs> Well, I, I had to do that a few times, you know, like I said, because I didn't want to seem like, like a big mark. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there, there, not when I was announcing, but I also got to, because I knew Iron Mike Sharp, and I was, you know, licensed ring announcer by the State Athletic Commission in New Jersey, and I had my license. 
I um, got invited to a few WWF events. I uh, got to go in 1993 to a WWF Christmas party in New York. Oh, wow. And that's the first time I met Vince. First time I met Vince McMahon. That I was a little starstruck with that because he owns the whole deal. You know, he's right. like like the big dog and. Yeah, and he's not, like, that available. You don't see him at local shows. And, you know, so <laughs> that, that I admit was a little bit crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I know that you, um, I saw a picture that you have of you and him together. Oh, on, oh, on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was actually from, from that party in 1993. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I did ask him... I told him, you know, I'm a ring announcer, I'm friends with Mike Sharp, uh, I said, you know, any chance of working for the WWF, and yeah, I got to, got this, I did ask him for a job, but he said, oh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll send a, you know, tape and, uh, you know, resume to, uh, you know, the office, and, you know, we'll look at it and everything, but, you know, I, I didn't do it because I thought, what, what are the chances of it happening anyway, so, you know, but he was nice enough about it, he didn't say, you know, get the heck out of here uh but yeah he was uh, yeah that was a great party though uh like that was like like the who's who even gilbert gottfried was there oh wow um, there, there, there are a few other celebrities there and uh yeah it was open bar drinks were on vince and it was great uh i also got to go to i uh, got an invite to the 1996 WWF Hall of Fame banquet, and that's when it wasn't like it is now. It right. was held at the Marriott Marquis Hotel in New York in a regular banquet room. Okay, where they have where they would have weddings or whatever, and it was you had a you you could only be invited. They didn't sell tickets to it like they do now and have twenty thousand people there, <laughs> and that 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 was amazing. And then the after party in the hotel bar was was amazing too, and. Uh, one funny thing from that night, I remember this is after the um, after the uh, ceremony ended, and we're all filing out. Uh, then you could smoke. It was 1996. You could smoke anywhere in the hotel, and I was um, I stopped to have a smoke. George the Animal Steel walked up to me and asked to bum a cigarette, but he said that um, that he's hiding from his wife. He didn't want his <laughs> wife knowing that that he was smoking. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, George the Animal Steel, who I grew up. As a kid, being scared like these green tongues, oh yeah, you know, chewing turnbuckles and like you know, <laughs> like acting like a complete maniac, yeah, walks up to me. Uh, excuse me, you mind if I uh, bum a cigarette from you? I'm like, hey, hey, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Are you gonna eat it or smoke it? If you're gonna eat it, I won't give it to you. Exactly. <laughs> I I grew up. Uh, I had a bunch of the um, action figures. And his was one of my favorite to play with. And it was like the old style ones where they were rubber and they didn't move. They yeah, just... yeah, the LJN. Yes, I, I had a bunch of those. I had one of those and I think I had Harley Race and I had one other one. I don't remember what it was, but I loved playing with those even though they didn't move. And I had the ring and all that stuff to go with it. Wow, I only had one. It was the Hulk Hogan one. Um and it was given to me by by a friend of mine. I, I didn't actually, but I but one friend of mine had the ring and had, I think every single one that that they had to offer. Uh, it was really cool. That is so, really yeah, cool. So, you know, playing around with that. It was it was really really cool. Oh yeah. Well, so you've told me how you kind of got into it and everything. Did you have like a a favorite place or uh, that you like to do the announcing at or? Uh, was there a favorite town that you liked to go to when you were doing it? Well, I would have to say the very first one I did at the Dunn Sports Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey, because it was um, <clears throat> most of the ones I did were just high school gyms, like there was strictly high school gyms. Okay. This was attached to Elizabeth High School, but it was like a huge, like a much bigger um, venue than a regular high school. But the reason why that's my favorite not only because it was my first, but two years before that, it was, um, I remember it was hot, so it was the summer. Mm -hmm. In 1988, my friend's father, we, we weren't driving yet, we were juniors in high school. Um, my friend's father drove us up there, and it was a good hour from where we lived to see a WWF show. Uh -huh. And the reason why it's my favorite place is because when I was a junior in high school, such a big fan, 
wanting to eventually break into the business somehow, if not a wrestler, as a promoter. I had such a dream of being in the business one way or another. So being there in 1988, and then not knowing at that time that just two years later, I will be in that ring, in the same building, announcing all these guys, you know, and hanging out. It was like, it was so surreal to me that that's why it's my favorite. Yeah. Because it wasn't just a high school gym. It was a sports center. And because I was there just two years prior, and that just really, and it was also wild because I, I, me and my friend went to WrestleMania five when it was held in Atlantic City. Okay. And it was um, April 2nd, uh, 1989 and it was just a year and a couple of months later that I was in the business and at that point it was, I had no you know uh, no hopes that anything would really happen I was you know senior in high school at that point and just it just it was just wild how it happened like I keep using the word surreal but it was that I'm at WrestleMania 5 and then just a year and a couple of months later um, friends with uh, Ari Mike Sharp and um, licensed by the State Athletic Commission and I'm traveling up and down the state announcing all these guys and legends. It just it was just a really great feeling and it went on for about eight years. That that's that's really cool. I I can only imagine, you know, being able to even with what I'm doing here, you know, I sometimes I'm a little blown away that the some of the people that I get to talk to and things, you know. So I I can just imagine right. having that that dream and having that come true. I it it's an amazing feeling. Yeah, it just like I, I always say, uh, sometimes you have to break the rules, not break yeah. the law, uh-huh. but sometimes you have to break the rules because if I did not have that that brilliant idea to sneak into that locker room, we wouldn't be talking now about this. Nothing ever would have happened. Maybe something else would have, but what are the odds? But if I didn't break the rules because I knew that that we wouldn't get arrested, we, we wouldn't get our butts kicked, you know. We, they would just say, come on, <laughs> out, guys. You know, and that would be the end of it, and we'd go home, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes, it, you know, you really do. Breaking the rules without hurting anybody, uh, not breaking the law, it can actually be a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> you said it, man. So I'm so glad glad that I did that. And, you know, I was young, so I'm like, ah, you know, I don't care. I'd probably still do it today. Right. But, it's just it, it it ended up turning out so so great and it was just a great experience in my my life still like one of the greatest eras of my life i would say so i know that now you have um your own podcast how how are you enjoying doing that i how long have you been at it i love that and i i just had a thought that i was going to mention but i forgot and i'll get to my show in one second then. okay um, well, actually, it has to do with my show. Okay. Just uh, last, last week, I had Jenny Santana, Tito Santana's daughter, as a guest on my show. Yes, that was a great episode, by the way. Oh, you listened to it? Okay. I, I did listen um, to it. Yeah, yeah, that was, um, you know, she's just starting out, and she um, only found out that Tito was her father a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. It was a very interesting story. Uh <laughs> But yeah, I've been doing my podcast uh, since August 9th of 2021. Okay. Uh, so this August will, will be a year, and I'm 58 episodes in, and I love it. I love every second of it. And I've always wanted to be on the radio. Mm-hmm. I went to um, Brookdale Community College, a local college right out of high school, for radio broadcasting. Radio broadcasting, mass communications. I wanted to be on the radio. I wanted my own show. Yeah. And what, what ended up happening, I, w- I was working full-time for an insurance company in the mailroom during the day, and I was going at night to college, Brookdale. And about four or five classes in, the professor, who is actually a program director for a local radio station, he had, there were about 20 of us in the class, and he said, he made no bones about it, he said, just want to let everybody know that out of the 20 in this room, maybe, maybe three of you will get on the air one day. And that really, like, popped my balloon. I felt so deflated. And it really discouraged me. And I ended up dropping out because I figured the odds are not great. And he was being honest because he said there's so many slots. 
there, there are, are only so many slots in radio and there are so many people that that want to be on the air that right. it's just you know probably not going to happen you have to be really really exceptional yeah so i i ended up dropping out because i figured i'm just not gonna it's just not gonna happen so i gave up that dream and um as life would have it right after that is when i uh you know started announcing that i'm like sharp and blah 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 so anyway um then podcasting came along and i always toyed with the idea and then i don't know last year i just decided that i'm just gonna pull the trigger on it and just do it because I, I always wanted to have an interview style show uh-huh. and that's what i do i have a guest on every single episode a variety of different guests from bigfoot hunters to a woman who wrote letters to a man in prison he's in prison uh for life with no parole for murder and she married him and just all you know i've had life coaches on authors uh, you name it i've had from all walks of life and Uh i love finding out what makes people tick and just enjoy conversation yeah i've noticed that i i've only got to listen to a few of your um episodes but the ones that i've listened to it it sounds like you kind of have the same almost the same format i do where you just have all kinds of people you want to hear their stories everybody has a different story to tell and i think that it's good to be able to have an outlet to where people can hear those stories where somebody might not hear them um, otherwise. Right. I've listened to a couple of your episodes, and yeah, it's basically the same style slash format. Right. It's just a conversation. Yeah. Like what we're having now. Exactly. It's a great thing for people to listen to. When you have someone interesting on as a guest, it keeps them um, locked into the show, keeps them entertained. Yeah. And that's the whole point. I From the beginning, I wanted interesting people and interesting topics and i think i've lived up to that so far and i've got a lot of great feedback it really has blown up and yeah i'm i'm loving doing it yeah uh, as you know how me and you kind of got introduced to each other is we're both part of a podcast network uh through social media and uh right, right. got to talking on there and that's really helped a lot i've i've actually met a few people through there like yourself that um it, it's it's good to network with these different podcasts that way you can kind of share the experience I, I like to call it sharing the love so it, it's it's nice that there are other people to share that with well i agree a million percent that that's where i have gotten quite a few of uh, my guests i've got them from from those podcast networks and groups and uh yeah it's cross cross promotion also so it helps both yeah both people out exactly so yeah like i'll be sharing i'll be sharing this episode when it when it's released i'll, I'll be sharing that yeah all over too so yeah. you know it's gonna help you out and it's you know gonna help me out exactly yeah i'd I love it. So you were saying that um, you'd worked with a lot of uh, different people like the Ivan Koloff. And uh, I, I also saw that you had a uh, picture with uh, Bruno San Martino. Oh, my God. That, that, that is the pinnacle of my entire wrestling involvement. I got to have dinner with him. He was doing, I was friends with a promoter who was... Uh, um, he got Bruno to do a big autograph signing at a huge mall right near me, the Freehold Raceway Mall in Freehold, New Jersey. A huge mall. Uh-huh. And uh, there were like, uh, like I, I, I didn't go, but the promoter told me that there were like, you know, like a few hundred people there. And, but the promoter had, had called me and said, after he's done, do you want to meet at Il Monacone? It was an Italian restaurant in Freehold and have dinner with me and Bruno. I, I nearly passed out, and this is two weeks prior. So I, those two weeks seemed like 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 two years, just waiting for it, ho- just like you know, hoping that something wouldn't fall through, you know, which can always happen in the last minute. Like, oh, you know, Bruno is still doing the signing, but he's got to rush out of there and get to the airport, or get get in the car and rush back to Pittsburgh. You know, anything could have happened. Right. So I, I said, of course, you know, I do, and and yep, it came to fruition, and I met them at the Italian restaurant, and for an hour and a half. I got to sit across from Bruno Sammartino and break bread with him and just talk to him. Wow. It, it, it was, that is the best moment of all, I would say, uh, with, like I said, the entire time I was involved with it. What was he like? I mean, was he like an easy, easygoing guy? Or oh. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, totally down to earth, friendly, nice. Um, yeah, and he was happy to talk about anything, That's... anything. He he just uh, I could ask him anything, and he would just uh, go on talking about it, whatever question i asked him I, I asked him about how he felt about vince mcmahon uh-huh. at the time he didn't like him and he didn't uh he, he didn't hold back uh he, he just he was very open open and honest and like i said this is while while we're eating i remember i got veal parmesan and and, and of course the owner the owner of that restaurant actually was a wrestling fan okay um, and of course, you know the owner's Italian, Bruno's Italian, so yeah, that thing going on. But mm-hmm. the owner, Nikki, I remember his name, Nikki Palumbo. Um, he was a huge wrestling fan. He used to have another. Um, this is a really nice restaurant, but he used to have, uh, still in the same town, just a little pizzeria. Mm-hmm. And that, ironically, is where my father would bring me to go buy the wrestling tickets for the local shows when I was a lot younger. Oh wow! Uh, he would always have the. Yeah, he would have the poster in the window, and you'd go right in there, and you'd buy tickets to the high school shows. And again, like things come full circle, and then here I am in 1996, you know, many, many, many years later, um, more than 10 years later, um, in a restaurant with Bruno San Martino eating dinner. And it's owned by the same guy that I used to buy my tickets from when I was a little kid. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Very, very cool. It's funny because actually um, I have a pizzeria really close to my office where I work at. And that's wherever I, I usually find out if there's a local wrestling show because they always have the poster in the window there. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that, that type of thing has never changed. You know, the... Local businesses, pizzerias, whatever, they put up the poster in the window and they sell tickets. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember my, this is actually kind of funny too. The very first live show my father ever ever took me to, I was 11 years old. It was, and I still have the actual card sheet. It was uh, August uh, 29th, 1983. And on that card was Ivan Koloff, Iron Mike Sharp. Tito Santana and a bunch of other Pat Patterson, Mr. Fuji, and, mm-hmm. you know. But the whole thing is that it is so weird that the very and we got fourth row ring side. I'll never forget that. Great seats. Um, but it's just so ironic that my very first live show for something I loved so much from day one when I was a kid, Iron Mike Sharp was on that show, the very first one I ever went to, and years later became friends with him and you know the whole story that I just uh. told you. And Ivan Koloff was on it who at my very first show, thanks to Iron Mike, uh, walked up to me and said, I'm doing a very good job. And then Tito Santana was on the show, and I just interviewed his daughter. If if anyone told me this at that show that night as an 11-year-old, that, you know what, just about not even 10 years down the road, you're going to be doing this, this, and this, and Mm -hmm. interview. you're going to have a podcast and interview Tito Santana's daughter, and you're going to be friends with Iron Mike Sharp. He's going to break. I would have said, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. <laughs> but it's funny how life works. And and ironically, that show, the very first one, was at Freehold Township High School, the same town that I had dinner with Bruno in and bought. It just, it just crazy. It was just meant to be. That's how I feel. Like, it was completely meant to be the way everything everything happened and the way everything went. It was just meant to be somehow, some way. Yeah. It, and it, it's crazy how life ends up turning out that way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've kind of, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but was there any of the, of the wrestlers that stick out to you that um, you actually were very close to? Close to? Or um, I mean that you, you had a, because uh, I know you said you were pretty much like one of the guys. So when you would go out and stuff, was there any of the ones that you actually like gravitated towards that when the show was over, they would be like, are you going to? Well, I mean, I, I would always get get invited. I wouldn't just you right. know, get in my car and you know put my head down and follow them there. You know, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I I do remember uh, specifically Greg Valentine one time said, you know, you're coming, right, or something. You know, just, yeah. Matter of fact, I, I said, yeah, of course. You know, um, but yeah, Greg Valentine was great. I because there they were like I said a few of them that that I would see on, on a semi-regular basis not every weekend but maybe once a month so you know yeah. i got to know them the the iron Sheik, uh tito also saw but um he uh the greg valentine and um uh, my well 
the only one I was going to say that I, that I wasn't close with, that I did not uh, like, the only one, and I don't badmouth people, but uh-huh. he's the only one. There's no one <laughs> else. Everyone else in the business, I'm not kidding, was always very nice, very polite, very respectful, not even standoffish, but Bam Bam Bigelow was a nasty, nasty, nasty guy. Really? He was just, yeah, he was a nasty guy. And as I said earlier, he was one of the ones on that very first show. Mm-hmm. So I have another story from my very first show. Because um, I didn't know how it worked. I was thrown into it. And But the promoter, when I got there, we'd be there by a certain time, like two hours early. And he, the promoter said, uh, what you're going to need to do, grab a pen and paper, go around to... To all the wrestlers and ask what what they want their weight to be, where they're from, and anything special that that they want to announce or they're going to do. I no problem with anyone till I got to Bam Bam Bigelow. Okay, now 1996. Uh, this is 1990. I'm sorry. He's a big star. Uh huh. Okay. I'm a big fan. I yeah. know he's a, a Jersey boy too. I know that you know he's built from Asbury Park and. The weight, you know, of course I had an idea around 300 pounds, but uh-huh. it's still my job to go around to everybody and ask. He seemed so insulted that I was asking him, you know, where do you, you know, where you build from and your weight, whatever. So he, he was sitting there in the bleachers talking to somebody when I walked up to him and he just goes like, I'm uh, 5,000 pounds, ha ha ha, and I'm from, uh, you know, uh, Germany, ha ha. Like, he wouldn't give me a straight answer. Like, I, like he wasn't joking. He was just being a jerk about it. Yeah. So, I, he could have squashed me. But I said to him, well, I'll just make something up then. And I just walked away. And, of course, I knew, and I did it correctly because I knew. But, you know, I it's like I didn't want to get in trouble if there was something special. Right. That, you were doing you know, what you were told. To announce right, right. Because I didn't want the promoter saying, well, why do you ask everybody else but not Bigelow? Now you screw this up. You know, so I, I yeah. had to do it. But he just, he was just a real jerk. And not, really, he was not well-liked. He was really not well-liked by, by his peers. Yeah. But that that's the only the only one. Everyone else, I have not a bad word to say about anybody. So that goes to tell you that I'm telling the truth and that he, he really was a nasty guy. Yeah. What's and what, what was funny about him... There was a period in my life where I was selling uh, furniture. It was uh, an unfinished uh, wood furniture store. Uh-huh. And it was in Ocean Township, New Jersey, which is basically right next door in part of Asbury Park, where he was from and where he still lived. I saw him walking around the store one day, and I was a salesman. I refused to walk up to him and help him. And <laughs> he didn't look like he really needed help. I know he didn't buy anything. I was kind of keeping an eye on him. Uh, he just gets bored. He pulled in, just walking around browsing. But uh, no, I, I would refuse to help him because I really, really didn't like him. Wow, it, it kind of sounds like uh, the fame kind of went to his head there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He thought he was uh, bigger than Hulk Hogan. You know, he was really egotistical and obnoxious. Yeah. yeah but it, that was the only one. I, I like I said, I can't. Um, can't even say a bad word about anyone else that I ever interacted with. So I know um, from when we first started having a conversation, you sent me a picture. I've talked about uh, Jerry Lawler on this podcast and how one of my right. friends... Right, so I sent it after I, I was listening to that episode. I heard you mention that you knew someone who bought his old house, and that's when I sent that picture because I heard that. Right, uh, so... What was he like? Because, I I mean, the most I know of Jerry Lawler's, I know that house. And I know when I was a kid, he ran for mayor of Memphis. Uh, But I I didn't know that. Yeah, he uh, obviously he he lost. Um, The guy who was the mayor at the time was he had a stronghold on that area for sure. But um, it was to the point where people called him King Willie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But um, he ran against him and lost. But I, I really. Besides what's on TV, I don't really know that much more about him. What was he like to to be around? Very low key, very um, soft spoken, uh, very nice. Uh, yeah, I think I told you the story. I ate hot dogs with him and Dick Mur- Murdoch in the uh, food court. There. Yes, it was it was, ab- it was after a show. It was down South Jersey, like kind of near Philadelphia. 
Uh-huh. Uh, it was like a half hour outside of Philadelphia. And, and um, this was after the show. I um, I just went to the food court because I was hungry. I was going to grab something to eat and head home. Mm-hmm. And it was an afternoon show. It, it, it was an afternoon show. So anyway, walked in the food court, and I see Lawler and Dick Murdoch uh-huh. standing up. There were stand-up tables. Uh, there were no chairs. There were like the high-top tables. Okay. Just a, you know, little food court. So anyway, I see them uh, just standing there eating hot dogs. So I grabbed a couple of hot dogs, and I walked over there and said, hey, and just start talking to them. You know, it was uh, maybe 15 minutes. We're just eating hot dogs and talking, and then, you know, we went our separate ways. But, yeah, that, that was a cool moment. Because, again, guys that grew up watching on TV, and, uh, you know, it was surreal. Everything right. was surreal. Yeah. Very, very hard to believe. Well, I, I just found out, I didn't realize he was still doing this, but he's still running shows. Um, one of the guys that, or the guy that I had on last week said that he's actually going to be doing a show in, I think it, he said it was Illinois, um, that uh, it, and it's a show run by Jerry Lawler. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't really know what, what a lot of them are up to today, but wow, well, he's still doing it. Well, it it's in his blood. Right. Wrestling, so I guess he always wants to be be in it one way or another yeah promoting a show or announcing somewhere you know he just a lot of them just it's in their blood and they just can't i i I think with a lot of them it's because they got used to the uh, fame yes and used to being recognized and then you know when their careers um i don't want to say fizzle out they they get older like any professional athlete you have to you have to stop at some point right but i think that they miss that so much that they just have to keep a hand in it just to be for a lot for attention you know, yeah just you know because they they miss that which i i can see that after you know 30 years in the business and you're on top and you're a tv star and fans are chasing after you and cheering for you to have it go to nothing it's got to be difficult for them uh, definitely like you said especially with them getting used to that acknowledgement you know, it after time, right. when, whenever the the new people come out and they're not as acknowledged as much, you know, I'm I'm sure that does mess with them. You know, because <laughs> uh, yep. everybody has a an ego, I guess, to a point, I guess you could say. And you know, so you, if people stop noticing you and you've gotten used to it, I'm sure that takes a hit. Yeah, it does. I'm sure with any type of celebrity. Yeah. It does, and but I will. I I have to brag here. All right. I I in my eight year career as a ring announcer, uh-huh. I signed I signed three autographs. Three. <laughs> <laughs> three, and they were all kids. They're all kids, and I remember when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Um, there was a the the same ring announcer, Gary Michael Capetta. He would announce um, when I was a kid. He was like kind of like almost like like me. He would announce because he lived in New Jersey, and he would announce um, basically all of the shows that I ever attended when I was a kid at all the local high schools. And I got his autograph just because I looked up to him because he he's there. You know, he's going in and out of the locker room, and he's you know there with all the wrestlers and everything, and he's got to be a big deal. So even though he was only the ring announcer, I, I remember he was walking back um, to the um, locker room, and I remember stopping him and asking him for his autograph, and he, he gave me his autograph. And I only got to do it three times. I guess I wasn't as big as Gary Michael Capetta to the, the kids <laughs> when I was doing it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it felt it felt cool. Someone coming up to me and asking for my autograph. But like I said, it was only three times. <laughs> Well, I know there is one ring announcer out there that I think probably the biggest of all times, and he got paid a million dollars every single time he said his catchphrase, and that was uh, Michael Buffer. Right? My, Michael Buffer, yes. You know, when he yeah, said, yeah. "Let's get ready to rumble," you know, I mean, that's pretty distinctive. You know, so I. Well, <laughs> I, I hope. No, no, I'm hoping that the statute of limitations has uh, gone, gone, gone by the wayside because. Not, I, I would never do it on the pro shows, but I remember when I was doing the exhibition matches uh-huh. uh, at, at, at the wrestling school, I would say, let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> and just because, you know, it was a thing to say. And my, my ring announcing style, I, I never um, 
not admitted this. I ripped off Howard Finkel. <laughs> I used to love love the way he would he would would announce and. Oh yeah. I, I, that's how I did it the first couple of times, and I just um, kept doing it. It felt comfortable, and I knew his style very well. I yeah. added my own flair here and there, but basically, I was a Howard Finkel ripoff, but I was a good one. I, I did a, a really good job. That's <laughs> awesome. And, and Howard Finkel is one of the best that there is out there. He he's always been one of my oh, favorites. The yeah, the best. Yep. So, so it was kind of cool that I got to be Howard Finkel because every month. Uh, when we got cable, we got it in 1982. MSG Network would would show live the Madison Square Garden cards, and um, yeah, Howard Finkel, you know, that's that was his gig. He would always uh, announce at MSG, and just yeah. so wild, I, I became like the Howard Finkel of New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Basically, since I've got you on here, do you have any other? Uh, big things that are coming up in the near future for you that um with your podcast uh i don't know if you would call it big like i have nothing big coming up I, to me i think every episode i do every show i do is big because i try yeah. to get a good guest you know i can pick and choose now you know who i have on to make sure it's going to be fun entertaining and not not like a repeat like i don't want to have a life coach on one week and then like you know the next week have another life coach on so i try to mix it yeah. up and you know try to make it interesting for the listeners i don't want them to get bored or annoyed right um but no i mean as far as big i i, I think every episode i do it, it is big i'm proud of everyone yeah i'm just going to keep plugging away and keep continuing doing what i'm doing i'm awesome. loving every minute of it awesome you're like i said you're doing a great job i i've really enjoyed listening to your show as well and i can't wait to see you know um what you're going to have in the future it always turns out to be a great show so um if anybody wants yeah if anybody wants to um follow you or listen to your show how can they do that they can catch the glenn ralph show and remember everybody two ends in glenn or you won't find me two ends very important yes the glenn ralph show you can find it on spotify google stitcher and iHeartRadio. awesome click that notification bell so you will be alerted every time a new episode is released. That's important, too. Yes. Well, man, it has been uh, great having you on here. I um, am so thankful that I, I was able to get in contact with you and uh, have this amazing conversation that we've had tonight. Well, I want to thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I don't get to talk about this that often at all anymore, and it was fun for me to... As I'm talking, I'm reliving everything in my mind, you know, and it was, you know, the memories, and they're really great memories, and I appreciate you having me on. You're a great host. I do like your show. Everybody continue to listen to it. It's amazing. And, Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks again. I, <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. But it was wonderful having you on, and maybe I can get you to come back on here in the future as well. Yeah, I'd love to. All right, man. Well, you have a great night. Yes, you too, Jared. Hey, this is Eric. And this is Bill. And this is Jim. We are Oh No Not Them. If you're into pop culture, music, pro wrestling, anything fun, and you want to listen to three old friends just talking off the cuff, completely unscripted, unplanned, anywhere you find podcasts, you can find us. Oh No Not Them. Give us a listen. Give us a follow. All right, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Glenn Ralph. He was a great guy to have on. I had a lot of fun talking to him, and I can't wait to have him come back on. So, I've been trying to plan this out to where I can tell you guys who is coming next. So you guys can kind of prepare and see if it's somebody you want to listen to, or if it's somebody that you want to ask questions. So this next week, I will be having on... Toxic Masculinity, the Johnnies, and that's uh, Johnny Lightning and Johnny Dynamite. Um, they are a tag team. They are the tag team champions out of Wrestling for a Cause. I'm really looking forward to having them on. The week after that, I have the special guest of my buddy Sam. The guy that I did my last podcast with is going to come on, and we're going to talk about He-Man. Uh, there's a new series out on Netflix uh, called Masters of the Universe Revelations 
and we are going to discuss season one in that episode. Then the week following that, I will be having on a guy, he is known as the voice of Oklahoma professional wrestling, the velvet voice Walker Stewart. I'm really excited about this one. He seems like a really cool guy. He seems like somebody that I'm going to have a lot of fun talking to. And like I said, I'm just very excited. And I hope that you guys are excited as well for what I have coming up. So if you want to have input on any of this, send me an email. My email address is giveadadapodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also look me up on Facebook um, if you give a dad a podcast, or it's I-Y-G-A-D-A-P, Igadap, to uh, follow me on Facebook. I also have Snapchat. You can subscribe and follow me there. I release whenever I'm going to have new episodes on there as well. I'm also on Instagram at give a dad a podcast. You can also find me on Twitter and that's at dadpodcast11. So I have a little bit of a gripe there about it. I tried to get the handle that is dadpodcast, and that's it. But it was taken by somebody else, and I got to looking, and this person hasn't even been on in like three years. So I wish that I could get that one, but I can't. So I'm stuck with the dadpodcast11, which is totally fine. I'll make it my own. But come on there, follow me there. It's a lot of fun. It's another way to keep in contact with me and to see what new stuff that I'm doing. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't. Tell me your loves. Tell me your hates. Tell me your concerns. Whatever. Um, Like I said, if you have questions for me, hit me up. I'd be more than happy to hear from you guys. So I just want you guys to know I am so thankful for you. I'm thankful for all the support and love that I get from people. I've been getting messages randomly from people telling me how much they love my show. Even people who said, hey, I love your show, I want to come on. Um, I've got some more that are coming up in the month of June. I almost have the whole month of June booked up already. So as you people can tell, I am very excited and I'm staying very busy with this. And I can't wait to present this to you guys. So I'm going to close out now. I love you guys. Have a great week. See you next time. If you enjoyed our show, come back next week. Come on, guys. You know you want to come back. Smile.